to the Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening Show, where we celebrate the human spirit's remarkable resilience and courage. Stars Tina is your host. She is a life and health coach that uses mindset, regimens, and exercise to transform your mind, body, and awaken your soul. This show is dedicated to honoring the journeys of those who have faced unimaginable tragedy and loss, providing a safe space to share their stories and connect with others who have experienced similar traumas. Through powerful personal experiences and stories, our guests will inspire and empower you to prioritize your physical, emotional, and mental well-being. We believe that by sharing our journeys, we can find hope, healing, and strength together. Join us on this journey of discovery and growth, where we explore new paths to healing, and finding joy in the face of adversity. Now we invite you to get excited and prepare to be moved and inspired by the incredible stories of our guests. This is the Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening Show, a place where hope, healing, and strength come together. Now here's your host, Stars Tina. Hello, hello, hello. I am so super excited. I want to welcome you to this second episode of Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening. Today, you're going to have a special guest. And on this show, as you know, we pay tribute to those who have confronted unimaginable tragedy and loss offering them a safe space to share their stories and connect with others who have endured similar traumas. Through their powerful personal experiences, our guests inspire and empower you. Yes, you. The goal of this podcast is to show you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Traumedy. A traumedy is when the energies of a trauma and a tragedy collide. When these two energies come together, life-changing experiences occur. Now, we firmly believe that by sharing our journeys, we can find hope, healing, and strength together. 
Today, I have a very special guest, and I'm very particular when it comes to the people that I bring on as guests. One of the main reasons why I brought this person on is because he's a man. Okay, yes, I know I should have said that. <laughs> but I say that because a lot of men don't like sharing their feelings. They don't like opening up to their griefs, to, you know, to things that aren't too positive. So that's one reason why I had this person. I'm so excited. He's my very first guest. Yes. And the second reason why, uh, it's actually a few reasons why. There was a point where, as you know, my story, I've had my ups, I've had my downs, and I was at a low point, and he actually reached out to me and gave me some tips and advice, and I was like, wow. Because in the seven years of the grief that I've been going through since the murder of my son, there aren't that many people that can, what? how shall I say this, make me feel better. Because once you've lost a child, there's really nothing that anyone can say. And as he was talking to me, I was like, that's weird. How is he able to do this? And then he told me he lost a son. Not only is that another reason why I wanted to have him on is because he's helped me with my Toastmasters speech. He's given me constructive criticism. He just said a whole lot. So without further ado, I need you to make some noise. Give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. Woo! Pastor Jeff. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, stars. Tina, what another beautiful Lord's Day it is. How are yes. you today? Yes. And I'm so, you, the Lord say, yes, it is a Sunday. I feel good that it's a Sunday. And I just want to begin by saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Because before this, they heard that beautiful intro with your beautiful melodic voice on it. Because you have such a melodic voice. Would you agree, disagree? You know, I don't know. I'm learning to like my voice. I don't know what other people hear, uh, but I'm glad that they hear it. And every day for me is a beautiful Lord's Day. I like to say it's another beautiful day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Each day that I'm alive, it's a beautiful Lord's day. See, now I feel sometimes I have a jukebox in my head. So when you said that, it makes me think of that song back in the day. Are you ready to sing? This is, oh gosh, I missed, I almost forgot it that quick. What did you say? This is the day that, what was This the, is the day, this is the day the that the Lord has made. Yeah. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Yes, yes, yes. This is the day. This is the thing. <laughs> this is what goes on in my head. Has made. <laughs> oh, anyway, I love it. let's get back to the point. So, Pastor Jeff, we're just going to jump right into the meat and potatoes. Like I said, a lot. First question: Why do you think a lot of men don't like sharing their feelings? Or am I making that up? Well, no, you're not making it up. It actually has to do with something called emotional intelligence and, and how the majority of American men are cultured, especially uh, men of color. And so we are taught from childhood uh, not to show our emotions. It's suck it up and drive on. Get up. Uh, don't cry. Men don't cry. And because of that, we have not been taught or allow to allow our emotions uh, to be expressed. And therefore, the, a large portion of men are emotionally intelligent, ignorant. And it's those who have learned that strong men do cry because there's a release that needs to happen. It's those men who have women that will allow them to be vulnerable. And one of the things, Star Tina, that happens uh, with a lot of men is that they they may feel comfortable at some point in time being vulnerable with a woman, and if she violates that vulnerability, 
uh, they go back into what we call our our cave and we don't come back out. I totally get that. I would love for you to share a tip to that 12 year old, that young child who's between the age of nine and 12, maybe eight and 12, nine and 12. And I believe that's the age where a young man is either going to rear off in a good direction or they're going to go off into the streets. And like you said, it's their feelings and they don't know how to express themselves. So if you're talking to a child to give him some an emotional intelligence education, something that can help him in the future. What's something you would say to that 12-year-old Pastor Jeff? To the 12-year-old, I would, would first want to know how they have been cultured as far as emotional intelligence. And if they've come up in the typical way of being taught how to suppress their emotions, I would tell them that it's okay that strong men and real men do cry. Strong men and real men get in contact with their emotions because we are human. And if they don't believe me, they can read the shortest uh, verse in the Bible, which is Jesus wept or Jesus cried. Now, Jesus cried because he missed his friend Lazarus. The thing about that, Stars, is that he knew in just minutes, literally minutes, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And so that gives every man that is ever born, every man that is alive, permission to grieve and to be emotionally intelligent. If Jesus could be emotionally intelligent, then every man can be emotionally intelligent. I love it. I love it. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. I love it. So thank you again for coming on. And I just want to turn it over to you to share your first grief in your life, because the loss of a child is huge. But I understand grief is super important. Grief, depression, anxiety, stress, all that sort of stuff. If you had to think of the first grief, because I believe you said that was the foundation that set you up for success in regards to dealing with grief. Would you like to share that story with us? Absolutely. So the first major grief in my life was with my grandmother. We called her mother. She lived with us. And so um, as far back as I can remember as a child, she was there. And really, she was my go-to. My dad was my superhero until he wasn't. And that's an entirely different story. And if I was not allowed to go with him, then I would go to my grandmother. And when uh, she she transitioned, actually, uh, my dad took her from our household back to our hometown of where I was born, where she was born, and he and my mother were born, which is uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. And so he didn't allow me to go on that trip with him. And he went and he came back. And not long after he returned, uh, she took ill and we had to go back. So he allowed me to go with her this time. And she passed. We were, I think, about an hour out of out of uh, of Knoxville uh, when we got the news that she had she had uh, transitioned. And so, for her homegoing service, uh, my dad decided to have a closed casket uh, funeral. And what that did for me was, I never saw my grandmother in that box. And I always remembered her from her being alive. Some people might say that was a denial, but it helped me for what was going to come in my future life. And while I'm not a, a visual learner, so I don't keep pictures in my head, I don't run movies in my head most, most of the time, I don't think it was been something that I would have had to uh, 
dealt with in the future, but conceptualization of it was my conceptualizing is of my grandmother alive and us having to interact. That helped me to develop a process as I went on of, of dealing with grief as a pastor of doing eulogies and especially during the pandemic. I think we uh, transitioned about seven members and a few people uh, here in the uh, local area that I trans uh, that I did the eulogies for. And so initially, the analogy that I got was that that transition from life temporal to life everlasting was like what just happened pretty much uh, in, in the month of June and still going on. And that's the graduations. And that commencement exercise is a bittersweet time for, for, for parents, especially for mothers. You know, mothers are a little more emotional than, than fathers are. Uh, unless it's their baby daughter, if it's their baby daughter, and they try to hold back them tears again. But it's it's a bittersweet time. We're happy that they're moving on, but then we're sad that they're leaving. They're starting a new chapter of their life. It's a new beginning. And so I started to process uh, what we call death as a transitioning, a graduation, a commencement of sort of going from life temporal to life everlasting as the greatest graduation or the greatest commencement exercise that uh, anyone could ever attend. And like our high school child graduating, there's that bittersweetness. It went a little bit further than that, Stars, when it came to my son, Akil. By this time, God gave me a different analogy. And so this process is building me up to be able to deal deal with the grief. And at this point, what he gave me was that he plants flowers called humans in his garden that he calls earth. And he allows others on earth to enjoy those flowers. And I'll use a rose because a rose has, has thorns on it. And before you can get to the beautiful bud, before you can get to the beautiful fragrance of a rose, you have to deal with the thorns on it as well. And so the analogy that he gave me here is that uh, he plants his flower. He allows us to enjoy it until he's ready to enjoy it himself. And when he's ready, he reaches down into his garden and picks the flower that he planted. And he takes the flower back to be with him, to give him joy. And that's how I processed the transition of my son. And that's how I dealt with the grief. And so I deal with grief with gratitude rather than with guilt or regret. I love it. And I remember that's exactly what you said to me when I was having my emotional feelings. And before you even got into it, you were talking about graduation. And even when I watch graduations now, it just makes me sad thinking about I don't have that or when the child goes. A couple questions. I love how you said, and I want this as a note, Renee, so write it down before I get key takeaway. Look at death as a graduation. Yes. 
as a beautiful moving forward ceremony. I think a lot of people think of death as negative and you make it sound so beautiful. <laughs> Not to say that I want to die or anything like that, but I think how we visualize things, right? A lot of people, what the way you see something, if you see it negative, it's going to be negative. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible. Like my son's death, he died on a Friday. We had the funeral the following Friday. I wanted it done very quick. And my thing was, I wanted it to be a party. I didn't want people crying. I didn't want people like all mopey. And the crazy thing is, Pastor Jeff, is I was so, I bought some shades because you think someone close to you dies. My son dies. You're going to cry, right? I bought these amazing Versace glasses. I was like, okay, I'm going to look cute when I cry. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, I did not cry at all. <laughs> And I think one of the reasons why I didn't cry is because so many people were hurting and crying, coming up to me. So I felt the need to console them. Not only that, but I was like, Jamal would not want me upset, would not want people mad. And, you know, so I, the, they call it a, what do they call that? The, after the funeral, the repast? The repast. Yes. I didn't call it a repast. I was like, after party time, let's go. <laughs> it was an after party. We had a DJ there. And the crazy thing, of course, I had my family there, but my son was very popular. So he had his friends there as well. So I said to the DJ and told my family, I said, the first hour will be music, regular music. My son was 21 years old the, and he loved Lil Wayne. If you know anything about Lil Wayne, he's got a potty mouth. So I said to my family, I said, we're going to be here for an hour. And then after the hour, you guys may want to leave because I wanted them to have fun. It was at least 150 kids there. So it was an after party. It was enlightening. And again, how you visualize things. So for death, yes, your father, your mother, your sister may pass away, but they want you to enjoy life. Question for you, Pastor Jeff. Is this your first time talking about your son? Oh, no, not at all. In uh, an interview fashion, I mean? Uh, no, I've talked about him before. Okay. So when you first told me, I was like, whoa, would you mind sharing the story of how it happened, when it happened, where you were, how you were told? And the reason why I'm asking this question is the main reason why I'm doing this show is because I believe people are going through situations and they don't know how to get through it. Like someone's looking at you, they're looking at me and they lost a family member and maybe it's five years or 10 years and they can't get through it. And they're like, how are you getting through this? So I would love if you could share what you went through and how you got through it so people can hear this and see this and say, well, you know what? He can do it. I can do it. I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you. Okay. Well, once, once again, let me say this before I actually share that story. You know, one of the things that I've also processed that, I mean, if there was something for me to grieve about, it would be the fact that God does not give social promotion. And because he does not give social promotion, it means that my son, your son, and others that we know who loved ones have transitioned from life temporal to life everlasting, they literally have graduated. They serve the purpose that God called them to, and they graduated to a higher level. So if there's anybody that should grieve, it's like, we haven't got it yet. We, we still, we're still working on getting there because each of us have a, an appointment. And I like to look at it as, while I did use the term death, that's what most people are familiar with, our, our essence, who we really are, never dies. We, we don't know when it when we've really begun, but we know that we are eternal beings. 
it's this house that dies. You know, there's there's a, 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 a do-it-yourself program that calls, uh, talks about this old house. So at some point, this house goes back to what it came from, and we get a better version. It's like moving up. I remember the Jefferson moving up to the east side. Uh, so we're moving up to God's side at some point. But for my story, again, uh, my granddaughter uh, gave me a call. My son was in the Philippines, and uh, he retired. He's uh, retired from the Navy, and he decided to live in the Philippines. So that's where he, he was living. And my granddaughter called and gave us the uh, the news uh, that they had found him uh, um, deceased in his apartment. And to our understanding, he had been sick, but no one had let us know. And he didn't let us know because he was sort of somewhat estranged from, from the family at this point in time. And uh, it took a little bit for a little while for them to be able to bring his remains from the Philippines back to the States. And the family, uh, the immediate family decided the, for him to be cremated. So again, um, I wasn't the one that had to identify him. And I think they did all of that prior to him coming, um, coming back to the States. And therefore, again, I, I didn't see him in a box. My last memory of my son was our interaction. And, you know, you talked about crying. And one of the things I've learned over time, especially as a pastor who deals with this on a pretty consistent basis, is that people grieve differently. And what I've noticed is that for many who are the, considered the strong, and I, I put in quotes, the strong person in the family, the one that everybody leans on, that person typically ends up grieving later. They go into this uh, uh, kind of a let's get things done phase, keep everybody built up. I don't have time to grieve. And they just do what has to be done. And then they'll find themselves grieving later. At times they're unexpected. They might be riding the car and hear a song come on the radio. They might walk by a park that them and their loved ones would go to, something will trigger the grief and then it'll come, it'll come on them. Uh, that's kind of been my experience, uh, Stars Team. Love it. Talk about triggers. How do you deal with triggers? Do you have anything that makes you think about him and how long has it been since he's uh, transitioned? We're coming up on two years in September. Wait a minute. It's been two years? Yes. Wow. For some reason, I was thinking 10, 15, 20, and whoa, you are. Okay, so that's going to lead to my next question. Um, do you think dealing with death so much with other people because of COVID, you're kind of, I don't want to say immune, but death doesn't really affect you that much, the sadness of it? No, prior to COVID, I'd already... Uh reframed how, as, as a pastor, I reframed how I look at death. Again, I, I look at it as in a positive way. I often would tell my congregation, I don't think of it in a morbid sense, but but I, I kind of think of like Martin Luther King. Uh, you know, I've in order for me to move to the next phase of who I really am, I have to transition and walk through that door that we call death. And 
that's something that I look forward to. Not that I'm trying to try to go tomorrow, but yeah. as a as a being, I look forward to to moving to the next phase. As as the apostle Paul would say, those who are familiar with him, you know, staying here is is really for the sake of what my purpose is. There are some, as Danielle Degado would say, if I don't win, who loses? And so there are some that have not won because I win yet. And because of them, it's okay to still be here. But I've, I've reframed uh, how I process uh, that transition uh, years and years and years ago. So I know some people listening to this and who listen to me are like, oh, she's just so blunt, but I'm just going to say it. I never in a million years would have imagined it has been two years because that is so fresh. It's like fresh meat out the womb. And I remember when it first happened to me, there was a mom and it had been five years for her. And she was so angry. She was like, I hate God. I hate. And I was looking at her and I was like, oh my gosh, it's been like two or three months for me. And you're like this after five years. And I looked at her and I was like, I do not want to be like that five years from now. And this is going to sound crazy, Pastor Jeff, but you know how there's really aren't too many courses or classes when you're young for finances, for how to raise a child, for how to fall in love. There's no course or program out there to teach you how to deal with death. And I, if I would have known all this stuff you said right now, a year, like two months after, a year after my son too, I would be such a better person. Do you realize for the first four or five years, every single Friday, was horrible for me. He died on a Friday at four at uh, 9 p.m. And for the first two months, I went back to where it happened. And I would just sit there and read. And that every Friday, I would relive it in my head. I drove him to work every Friday. And then it goes back to that reframing. One Friday, I was hanging out with a friend. And this particular person did not know that Fridays were horrible for me. He didn't know that every single Friday, Tina just goes and... When it first started, Pastor Jeff, every Friday I would have barbecue potato chips and a wine cooler. <laughs> what a combination. I'd have by the time I finished the wine cooler and the chips, I was feeling nice. That was my recovery. That's all I knew. But this particular Friday, all day from the morning to the night, because it was a long ride to go hiking, this person kept saying, it's Friday. It's such a wonderful day. They kept saying it over and over again. When they first said it, I was just like, but I didn't say anything all day. By the end of the day, I was like, wow, this is an amazing day. I totally forgot that Fridays, Tina is sad. Fridays are hard. <laughs> Don't you forgot. <laughs> I forgot. And I say that to say, Pastor Jeff, maybe you want to put a course together for people that are going through grief. This is something that I think needs to be a light. I am the traumedy coach. Traumedy, when the energies of a trauma and a tragedy collide. I remember I said to my coach once, I was like, it's not cool what I do. You know, who wants to talk about death? Who wants to talk about depression and sadness? And he said, Tina, you make traumedies look good. And I do, because no one wants to be sad. No one wants to be miserable. But if I would have known Pastor Jeff seven years ago, heck, five years ago, <laughs> four years ago, 
I could have accomplished so many more amazing things because I was stuck. So I just want to plant that little seed into you in regards to doing a course. Maybe it's a mat. You start with a master class. I would love to support you. You know, if you want me to do the back end stuff like the landing, base, I'm just so excited because my goal with this podcast is to empower women and men, but mainly women because I'm a woman, a woman because, you know, I know so many moms that are just stuck. They won't leave their house. They won't talk. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a crazy idea, Pastor Jeff? No, not at all. And I, I would love to do a master class. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about doing a course that people would be left on their own. I think this is work that. No, no, no. I'm not talking about a, a I mean, you could do both. Definitely yeah. an in-person course, you know, like yeah. get- I, I, and I do consultation. And so I would be open to doing this on a on a uh, a group basis uh, It's something that I've, I've done for a while. So let's make that happen. Let's put a masterclass yes. together on yes. dealing with grief. I love it. With that being said, uh, so Juneteenth is coming up. You're on my mind. I'm going to, I just get it all out in the open. Monday, June 19th is Juneteenth. And yesterday I had a download from God. I get these downloads. You know, I say it's not me. People, I have all these ideas. They just come, they come. And it's just like, like I'm doing a camping trip in August for my son's birthday. It's like so many things, but Juneteenth, uh, I guess it was 2020 was when it became super popular. They made it legal, a national holiday. So I want to do an event that Monday just to uplift the black race. I would love to have you as a speaker. I'm throwing it out there now. And it's going to be short talks, 15, 20 minutes. I want to talk about finances, mental health, maybe grief, um, fitness, exercise, things that the black race need to be better. So just throwing that out there to you. Do you think that's something that you'd be interested in? Absolutely, Stars team. Awesome. And you, you have any thoughts since we're on the topic of Juneteenth and that whole thing? Just curious. When it comes to Juneteenth, that something you may not know about PJ is that I'm sort of a rebel. <laughs> right now. Uh, I like that. <laughs> you know, Black History Month, I don't celebrate because I absolutely believe and convince that we deserve more than a month. So I celebrate the other 11 months that other people don't celebrate. <laughs> My church members used to, used to have to put up with me. Not They, they would wear their, their African attire during Black History Month, and I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I just wear my normal stuff, um, even though I have a tire actually from Africa. So I am a rebel. So Juneteenth, I think it's, it's I, I'm glad that it's a holiday. But the truth of the matter is that, first of all, for those who are believers in uh, uh, the, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and whether they be uh, uh, Catholic, whether they be Christian, whether they be Protestant, Muslim, or Jewish, the thing is that if you take Egypt out of the Bible, which is in Africa proper, you have no Bible. So if you take melanated people out of the Bible, there is nothing. <laughs> the, the scientists have proven uh, that by DNA, that you have to start with uh, a progenitor that has melanin in, in their DNA in order to get a product that is melanated. 
And so literally we are the genesis of all life. Uh, National Geographic did a documentary called The Search for Adam and where they literally went back and searched, went as far back as they could with, with DNA and they did a composite and that composite came up looking like we look. And that was from a non-biblical perspective. So without melanated people, um, we wouldn't have a USA, a USA, <laughs> not USAA, a USA, <laughs> that military, USAA is our insurance, but we would have the United States of these Americans if it was not for melanated people. So anytime that you want to do something about our culture, about our history, uh, the rebel in uh, PJ. I love it. Come up. <laughs> and by the way, if you're listening, you're like, what is PJ? Pastor Jeff. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Let me tell you, I feel like I've been doing this forever. Being, you know, even though you're my first interview, I just see it getting better. Maybe because you're so amazing. Maybe that's why it's so easy. <laughs> I think we we have kindred spirits. I mean, we have a lot in common, whether we acknowledge it or not, even on uh, the morning um, breakfast show, Breakfast with Champions, uh, the audio app Clubhouse, uh, you interviewed with uh, Trevor and uh, 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 Dr. Um, what was her name, Dr.? Uh, 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 it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, it'll, it'll come in a minute. Uh, but anyway, you you were a contestant on, on, on their show first. And you came on with that bubbly, energetic star status energy and you get your story. And I'm like, I'm glad I did not. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't a contestant on today. That would have been something else. And so uh, that's that was kind of how you got your start on BWC. Yes. Uh, I got mine the, the same way. And we didn't know that we had similarities with our sons and um, with Toastmasters. And I think we just, you know, kindred spirits kind of kind of connect. Yes. And I feel God has brought this together lately. My faith has gotten so much stronger and I feel God is connecting me with like-minded spirits, like-minded people. And I believe the purpose is to just share it, like push it out into the world because a lot of people, I don't know if they're going to say they're shy or quiet, but they don't really push through that much. Uh, so if you're listening, I'm super excited. We're talking about mind, body, and soul connections, awakening everything inside of you. And as I mentioned, when people come through, my goal is to inspire them. And I also want them to feel strength. I want them to feel the courage to realize that they could pursue any dream, any goal that they wanted to. And I feel, I'm not going to say you cheated, but <laughs> you had a little, you had a lot of homework before the passing of your son. So you had a great foundation. It wasn't just like smacked on you. You had a lot of preparation. So I was going to ask you, what have you, you know, they say, turn your trap. My thing is turn your traumedy into a triumph. You have many triumphs right here. And I feel I do want to have you back again in a couple of weeks once my podcast is popping and rolling, but from all the traumedies in your life, because there was other things you spoke about besides the death of your son. Can you think of one or two things that you have triumphed from, that you've gotten greatness from, that you've learned from past experiences? Anything you can think of that you'd like to share with us? Oh my God, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Stars Tina, uh, my triumph from my 
entry into the world. I used to say my mother kicked me out early. <laughs> the doctors would say I was I was born premature. And if you've heard my spoken word, I start out. Can you imagine a child so impatient that he couldn't wait for nine months of gestation? So I don't blame my mother anymore. I came in, uh, in into the world early. I didn't wait for nine months of gestation. I had to get here and, and make my mark early. Then uh, while other children were getting measles, mumps, and the chicken pops, PJ uh, got the uh, scarlet fever. So my earliest memory in life is getting out of the hospital. That's as, that's as far back as I, I can go. Uh, then I've overcome cancer twice. I've overcome- Whoa. See, that's uh, something I didn't even know. Yeah, I've overcome what uh, they say is men's closest feeling to what it, the pain of childbirth, and that is bladder stones. You know, my dad had kidney stones, and I witnessed my dad cry from from the pain of kidney stones. But bladder stones are like like <laughs> way 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 worse. Kidney stones are at the bottom of the mountain, and, and bladder stones are at the top. And then if that wasn't enough. Like God, I don't know why do I need to know what it feels like to be to have childbirth because I am obviously not a woman. If you wanted me to know that, you should have made a woman. And I guess I shouldn't have did that, Stars Tina, because uh, when I went through cancer the second time, I had to take hormone shots, and the hormone shots caused me to have hot flashes for a year. I'm like, okay, God, I I won't ask you why I gotta have a hot flashes. I learned my my lesson. My life is, you talked about your traumas. My life has been a series of connected traumas. And one of the things, Tina, that has kept me, as a child in the Moffitt family, you were going to church. I'm the eldest of five. You're going to go to church whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> I have always wanted to go to church. I have always loved God. I would tell you that, I mean, I triumphed from, from being in a church setting. I, I think this one right here, Tina, if there was ever one thing that happened to me, I think I could have blamed God and said, I'm, I'm, I don't believe in you. I'm not worshiping you. You let me down uh, was my first marriage. My, my first marriage at 20 years old was prophesied in a uh, what was called a deliverance temple. However, it was a place of root workers and witchcraft. And so they were marrying young men off. Uh, under Are you making uh, this up? No, I'm not making this up. They, they, <laughs> were, they were marrying young men, uh, for the most part, to older women. My first wife was 10 years older than me. The most wopsided was, uh, uh, God bless his soul, he's, he's deceased now, was my friend who was about the same age as I was. Like I, said, I was 20, so he was 20, 21. And he married the, 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 the bishop the head root worker who was over twice his age. She was uh, in her mid fifties at, at the time. And even through that, after that in eight and a half years in, in, in a very, very rocky, rough, what I call hell of a marriage, I never blame God. I never, I never blame God. And, and, and because of that, that has always been my rock. That's how I, reframe my perspective on grief is that I absolutely believe the Bible. As a child, I saw miracles happen. Uh, I remember, and this had to be around the first uh, kindergarten, first, second grade, 
is they had what we call prayer band. You don't see this much these days, but in a prayer band, you would go around to different members' house uh, during the week and literally pray. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was sitting in a chair, uh, almost, I think it was yellow for some reason, uh, and we were at this lady's house and she had had a stroke star and her hand was balled up. You know how, how you see folks who they, they've lost the, the use of their hand or it's, it's, it's curled up. And so her hand was curled up and I listened to my dad pray. He went over and he opened this lady's hand up and she gained use of her hand. That was the beginning of my knowing uh, that there's something miraculous about this God that, that we serve. And I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And that's how I've pre-processed. So it, it, it wasn't, when you say I kind of cheated or I had homework, uh, God's <laughs> prepared me. We have to go all the way back to the time that I was I was born. Uh, back in, this, in, the, in the early 60s, I was born in the 50s, but in the early 60s, you know, scarlet fever was something that killed children. We, we didn't have the medical advances that we have today. Well, let me tell you, I just love how we are able to laugh at the traumas, at the horrible things. I think that is so flipping well cool because most people would just like to live in their misery, just like, oh my gosh, this happened to me and that happened to me. And it's like a bucket of crabs. They're just just staying down. I I, oh, I just love the fact that we can just smile about the crazy stuff. Also, I love this God thing. I think you kind of got it down packed. So this God thing kind of works. So <laughs> right now, you know, God is amazing. Have a little faith. It works. It'll get you through all the craziness. <laughs> I, can, I can't, I can't speak for anybody else other than pastor Jeff. I will tell you that, that God has absolutely worked for me. I absolutely believe that I have favor. We could be here for this time to next Sunday of me telling you stories of how God's favor has worked in my life and miracles have uh, uh, presented themselves and manifested within my life. So I can't speak for nobody else, but I know God works for me. I love it. So I'm going to bring Renee in. Renee is amazing. Uh, you've been listening. And Renee, any questions, comments before we get out of here that you'd like to ask Pastor PJ? Hi, Pastor Jeff. I could listen to you all day. And I love how you said that you never blame God, right? Because I know that you believe that God has a purpose for all of us and in all of our lives. That but my question to you is being a pastor and counseling your parishioners constantly, how do you keep it from, you, you, you internalize it, right? But how do you keep it from going too deep? Does that make sense? Like, how do you keep it from? Are you talking about not affecting him or not affecting yes. the yes. clients? No, not I, I was thinking the same question. She's saying, how do you not get upset or sad? I was thinking right. the same thing, Renee. Right. Well, one of the things is just how I reframe things. Mm -hmm. And and so I start out with me. I believe, uh, uh, while, while, how can I say this? While I'm not a big fan of the Apostle Paul, <laughs> There are some things that 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 he that he says uh, to those who he writes to that makes a lot of sense, 
and Romans chapter 8 and 28. Uh, it's one of those that became my life scripture, which is something to the effect of, and we know that all things work together to the good of them that love the Lord, they that are the called according to his purpose. As I graduated, as I evolved higher, as I became more actualized uh, in my life, I reframed that, Renee, to all things work for God's good. And if they work for his good, they have to work for mine. By using that as a foundation and believing that for every child of God, whether they admit that they are or not, I can separate myself from their traumody, as stars would say, to understand that it's going to work out for their good. And in my life, every one of my traumas have worked out and given me a story that, uh, again, that I can share my win so that someone else doesn't have to lose. Oh, did I knock her out? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that answered your question. It did. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And this is our very first episode of the Mind, Body, and Soul Awakening Show, something that I don't think I've seen anywhere. Pastor Jeff, before you get out of here and give your closing thoughts, I would love to hear your ideas on the concept that I'm working on with this show. Do you think it's a good thing, something needed? How can I make it better with love, your thoughts, insights, opinions, and advice? Well, first of all, this is a this is a purpose that God has given me. My message today uh, was about recognizing holiness in the 21st century. It had three points. The first point was to recognize God's glory. The second point was to recognize our sins. And the third point was to recognize God's call on our life. And so I take this as the third point is that you're recognizing the call on your life. So how can anybody say anything negative about you answering the call? Understanding the, the connection between our, our body, our soul, our spirit, and our, our health, I think it's something that we can't, we can't get enough of. And as we talk about whether we're dealing with a tragedy, whether we're dealing with a triumph, see, a triumph only comes when there has been a tragedy, as, as you say. And so there has to be a trial in our life. There has to be a tragedy. There has to be a trauma in order for us to get to the, to the triumph. The thing is that a lot of people stay stuck in that arena because they haven't learned how to celebrate the other. And they say misery loves company. And, you know, sometimes if I'm honest, uh, there, there were times when I was younger that I thought it felt good to waddle in my misery. But I've learned now that when I waddle in my misery, not only does it not do me any good, it doesn't help anybody else. All I'll do is attract other miserable people. <laughs> and a whole bunch of miserable people together. Oh, my God. <laughs> they need to start leader. I love it. <laughs> okay. So as we wrap this up, my key takeaways from today's interview. One, Pastor Jeff suggests that you see death as a graduation, moving on to a next phase of your life. The second thing, a social promotion. So when it is your time, you get that grand promotion, the one that's the best promotion. It's better than any job. It's better than any relationship, just that social promotion. Am I getting that correct, Pastor Jeff? That's correct. 
No social promotion in God. You're going to keep taking the, the same blessing over and over again until you pass it. I love it. And the last one, which is great for all aspects of your life, but if you've endured any type of pain or death, reframe the way you see things. Like I reframe my Fridays. Pastor J Jeff reframes how he sees death. Yes, it is a sad thing, but reframe it around. Renee, do you have any key takeaways that you got today that I missed that you may have picked up on? Yeah, I think that we have to, as I mentioned earlier, recognize that God has a plan for us, even in the most darkest times that we face and trust in him that he does have that purpose for us. And the best way to honor him and our loved ones that we have lost is make the world make a difference in this world. Right. I love it. Yes. Thank you very much. And that will conclude the end of the first episode. Stars, if Go I for it. All right. I and so in our masterclass, so look forward to the masterclass. We will talk about there is absolutely nothing wrong with having grief. There should be grief. There should be sadness. And in our masterclass, I will talk about why we should have that grief and why there should be sadness and what we should do with it and how we process it because that is a part of the grieving process the grief but i won't get into that now we'll save it for the master class so they'll have okay. to sign up for the master class if they want to know why we are sad and what we should do with it. i love it and i'm gonna write that down thank you for throwing that in there because our call to action is if you are listening to this on the bottom of the screen or if you don't see the screen i dash inspire dot club is how you can contact pastor jeff we're going to put our ideas together our times together and come up with a master class renee you have another question or did you say it um i i just wanted to uh, out of curiosity pastor jeff how do you see youth in this day and age are are they keeping um their faith or are they coming to the church I, I, it was just a curiosity thing. How, what role are youth playing in the church these days? That's a good question, Renee. And that question, I think, is dependent on where they're at, what we see and hear in the media uh, uh, here in, in the Augusta area. Is that we're, we're witnessing and hearing a lot of youth that are, are taking other youth's lives, a lot of gang activity a lot of disregard for for humanity and a disregard for human life. But that's what's shown up in the media. Uh, there are other children and youth who are in programs uh, that are doing great things. And I wish we would hear more of that in the media. And so I, I think that it's, it's a sort of a harmony between what's actually happening in the world and what we actually hear in the media. I, I, I agree with you. The, the media tends to slant things towards the neg negativity and not talking about the positive things. That's why I wanted to take advantage and ask you, being a pastor, what your thoughts were. Thank There's you. some youth that's doing some dynamic, some dynamic things. And, and again, we need to, to, to highlight them as often as possible. 
Uh, Tina, at that website there at i-inspired.club, I'm also available for consultation. They'll be able to uh, uh, contact me, put their email and information in, and uh, we'll be glad, would be honored to set up a consultation for those who may uh, need a one-on-one uh, consultation as it deals with grief. Yes, because grief is a real thing and a lot of people don't know how to address it. I'm going to get chopping on this master class. All right, yes. People need it and you know, it's it's a it's a definitely needed thing. So, as you said, recognize that God has given me this calling to share my thoughts, my feelings when it comes to the mind, the body and the soul. We just want to awaken all the feelings and just let them flourish and come through. If you're listening to this podcast or if you're watching and you have a story that you want to share, you've gone through some type of trauma and you feel that you can triumph and overcome it and share your story, please let us know. I'm so excited about that. With that being said, this is episode number one here. <laughs> Wednesday night. Why are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing at you. I'm 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 just glad. I got one last thing to say. Go for it. Close it. Look, I want to tell everybody. If nobody told you, brother, PJ wants to be the first to tell you, you have an absolutely beautiful smile. Look, if you don't believe me, find yourself a mirror, a side view mirror, rear view mirror, a dresser mirror. Better yet, a hallway full lift mirror. The bigger, the better. Now, I don't make many guarantees because I don't have anything, but I will guarantee this. If you smile at yourself in the mirror, yourself is going to smile back. Take that as God said that you were wonderfully and fearfully made. And that he wants you to go out and share that smile with the world. Look, share that smile with everybody you see this week because smiles are contagious and frowns are frightening. That's not Halloween, my friend. So don't you frighten anybody. I guarantee you the second time. You're getting two guarantees from PJ. I guarantee you'll get more smiles back than you don't. Over to you, Startina. Yes, yes. Frowns are frightening. If you also, guys, if you need a voiceover actor, contact Pastor Jeff. He can do your voiceovers for your podcast, mine. (laughs) He can do them for your YouTube channels, for your TV shows, whatever. He is amazing. I'm so excited for what the future holds. And just remember, your vibe is your tribe. I yes, I am Star Peace. And a bottle of hair grease. Bye, everyone. See you.